and welcome to this week's Net Strength Live. And hopefully, if you're listening to this on uh, the podcast, I will upload it on time on Friday. Apologies, last week's was a little late, but hopefully it was worth the wait. Now, this week's episode, I am, or this week's live, I'm focusing hugely on nutrition. And one of the ladies is having a real mental block when it comes to nutrition. So I'm literally going to talk about how, about everything, literally putting everything down on the table about how we can overcome a mental block in nutrition. So when I say a mental block in nutrition, I'm talking about situations where you know you want to eat healthily, potentially want to lose some body fat or at least have a change of body composition and you know there's an element of nutrition. You're doing all the right things in terms of exercise, you're playing netball, you're doing strength training, but you just can't get around sorting out your nutrition and you just have a real block about it. So that's what today is going to be on. Is talking about how you can get over this mental block, how you can work through it, and how you can get up to the other side. I'm going to give loads of strategies which you can do that. And towards the end, a bit of a uh, tough coach um, in there as well. Um, so wait to the end where tough coach Leanne comes out. A bit of tough love, a bit of a pep talk, but it's, the whole thing's a bit of a pep talk as well. Okay, so when we're talking about mental block around nutrition, the first thing that's really important is you have to identify what that mental block is because a mental block for one person can be a completely different thing for someone else. So here's a few ideas. It might be one or more of these as well. So give that some consideration. So um, identifying the mental block, is it a lack? of knowledge around nutrition, what you should and should not be eating. Hopefully not if you're working with me because I do try and educate as much as possible because I really do believe that knowledge is power and education is power. So I do try and educate everyone as much as possible, but perhaps there is still elements where there's a lack of knowledge. Perhaps you have negative associations with dieting, you know, when you when you think about fat loss, you automatically think of restrictions that you won't be able to eat certain foods. You have this TikTok, tick, I can never say that word, like um, polarized thinking around food, that there's good and bad food. You name foods in that way. Um, perhaps there's past fail- failures of dieting it, that every other time you've tried dieting, you've always failed. Perhaps there's an element of emotional eating in there. So whether that's stress-related or um, you get triggered by certain emotion when you're feeling sad, perhaps something's happened in your life, um, some kind of particular trauma in your life, whether that's losing a loved one and that's then your only coping mechanism has been reaching for food. So you have this element of emotional eating or perhaps there's something else 
Now, whatever it might be, understanding the nature of the block or everything that constitutes the block is going to be really important to how you address the block because the answers I might give for one might be something else for for another solution or you might need to have a combine a combination of solutions in order to help you so it's really important it you know it's one thing to say I've got mental block about nutrition but it's like what is that block you need to bring out of you the reasons and the details around that block and one of the best ways to do that is to perhaps journal it out journal out you know why you feel like that just start writing you might be surprised at what comes out you know think of other reasons like if if your mental block is is related to say past failures of dieting or your negative associations with dieting start writing about that and start thinking why did I fail why do I feel like this when I hear the word diet so journaling can really help that and that's that that's really has to be your first step in how you unblock the block (laughs) okay the next step is focus on the basics so when it comes to nutrition I think so many people really overcomplicate this issue so just focus on the basics think about you know regardless of what if you have a fat loss goal or muscle building goal or whatever the goal is let's start from the basis of trying to get a good balanced diet for overall health you know forget about calories forget about tracking let's look at improving our nutrition improving our diet and I don't mean diet in the usual negative sense I mean diet in actually the word it's meant to be in the way it's meant to be used so your overall eating your overall nutrition let's try and think of it as how you can create a balanced diet. So looking at what food, what foods create a balanced diet, what does that look like? Because even if you have fat loss as a goal, yes, you're going to have to create a, a, a calorie deficit. But actually, when you finish in the dieting phase, especially if you have quite a significant amount of body fat to lose, you know, your what's going to end up being your maintenance probably won't be much different from what your diet food is going to have to be because of the way, you know, your BMR will change because you've lost weight, there's less of you, therefore you burn less calories, et cetera, et cetera. So, there's one thing about thinking about going into a calorie deficit, going into a diet and essentially, yes, okay, you're going to need less food in terms of less calories. Doesn't need, doesn't necessarily mean you have to have less food in terms of volume because there's ways in which you can manipulate your calorie deficit so you still eat more. Um, and I will go on to that. But when you're finishing your diet phase, you don't just go back to quote unquote normal eating. And this is why people yo-yo diet or one of the reasons behind yo-yo dieting, because actually through their dieting phase, they haven't learned, learned anything. 
And so go back to how they were eating for one reason or another and obviously put on the weight again. So however you diet, you're going to have to think of this long term. And that's why my approach is always about lifestyle change. It's about sustainable dieting because going from a dieting phase to a maintenance phase is not going to look much different. So you better do it in the way that you're going to enjoy it. So let's focus on getting that overall health, that balanced diet first, regardless of how many calories you, you are or maybe not consuming, because this is now about how you're making lifestyle changes for life rather than just doing like a six or eight week diet plan and then you go back to how you work because it's just not how it works. Other thing you need to focus on with in terms of the basics, focus on portion control. You know, it's very difficult in this environment because our portions on are not necessarily controlled like in a restaurant or whatever. You get the same amount no, no matter what size you are, what your energy needs are. So focus on portion control, create a structure and routine as well. We thrive on routine, create some kind of structure with how and when you're eating. And, you know, those kind of basics do that. And that is a great starting point of um, getting better with your with your nutrition. Next one, set realistic goals. So start with small, manageable changes instead of thinking you have to have a complete overhaul of your diet because it's not necessary. You know, it can be just little things like, for example, tonight I had a pasta meal. So instead of all having lots of pasta, I reduced the amount of pasta I had and I added lots of uh, veg onto there as well. So rather than thinking about I need to have whole different new foods, especially if you've got your family. You don't need to have different meals to the rest of your family because that is not sustainable or practical, especially if you're, you know, busy working mum or just a mum because you're all busy and you're all working if you're a mum. <laughs> you know, you need things that are practical for your life, for your family. And so think about, okay, what I'm going to do is thinking about what one more veg can I add to my meal? My go-to is always getting the steam bags of veg or frozen veg. You can keep them in the freezer so they never go off. The frozen bags, the steam bags are so quick and easy. Shove them in the microwave, three minutes. But even like having frozen peas or whatever, you can shove those in the microwave. They take literally minutes. Um, very little amount of washing up to do as well. So think about small manageable things. So what, for example, like I said, for example, what one more veg can I add to this meal? Or can I add more protein to my meal? Can I make sure I drink a glass of water with every meal? So, you know, make small changes week to week. And it's amazing how much the small changes will compound over time. And like I say, this is not about doing it for six or eight weeks. This is about doing it for life. So this, there's no race. There's no rush. You can just do, and you're much more likely to keep it for life if you do it in a slow and managed way. And it also, 
by doing small little changes like that, you also start to build confidence in yourself and you start to build trust in yourself. So that you're like, oh, okay, I can do that. Glass of water of every meal. I can do that. And you do it every time. And you're like, yeah, I can, you know, this is going well. Okay, next one. Let's see if I can have more protein to my plate or make sure I have protein in every meal. Have at least 20 grams of protein in every meal. Or if I'm already having protein, can I add more to my meal? So then I know I'm getting sufficient amount of protein every day. Okay, I've, I've ticked that box for a few weeks. Now let's add in some more veg. Now let's add in a fruit as a snack every day. You know, there's little things like that that you can do over time, but over time they will compound. Especially like, you know, the thing that with small changes, people don't like it because they're impatient. And then if you realize, you know, I was exactly the same. If you realize you've been dieting on and off for 20 years, well, <laughs> you've had a patience of the saint for 20 years and you're still not where you want to be. So what is a few months to a year about doing it and doing it right and doing it once? And then you get the result rather than in another 20 years time being in the same position. So not having patience is just another bullshit excuse. Um, really, when you put it in that terms, you're like, oh, yeah, actually, I'm impatient for results. But actually, in the last 20 years, I haven't really got any sustainable results because I'm in the same position. So when you when you kind of think of it that way, that whole impatience is just bullshit. OK, that's a bit of <laughs> hard coach Leanne coming out there. OK, next one. Next strategy is looking at your self-talk. So identify any negative self-talk around dieting that you have. So going back to that, you know, negative associations of dieting, if that's your mental block. So when you think about when you want to go into a fat loss phase, do you consider that being restrictive? Do you feel like you will miss out? Do you feel that, you know, you won't be able to go out and socialize and that kind of thing because you're in a dieting phase? And so you have this negative association with it. Do you have negative self-talk about your body and your body image? Because if you're trying to lose fat and you're coming from a place of hate for your body, and I think so many of us have been here, or if not still in this position, it's, it, it's, it will never be sustainable because the way in which you're approaching it is from such a negative mindset. So improving your body image and starting to look at how amazing your body is and appreciating what she can do and, you know, doing things like dressing her in a way that um, you feel comfortable and celebrates the body that you have rather than going oh when I'm so so size that's when I'm going to get some nice clothes well no let's get some nice clothes for your body now so you can start to appreciate it you know start um appreciating her when when you're doing your training when you're playing netball like the, appreciate the, the amazing strong machine your body is and when you start then approaching fat loss from a place of love because you don't have to hate your body to want it to change. You can love your body and appreciate your body and still want to make changes. It's just a much more positive frame of mind to go about it. The two are not mutually exclusive. 
okay how you treat yourself as well so again like when you're doing your um your strength training or your netball whatever like are are you doing it because you're doing it for the love of your body and you not rather than you're doing it to hate yourself because you you want to punish yourself so you need to you know run off that food and that kind of thing if you're coming from that mindset you are going to find doing the right things feeding your body well very difficult you know you you give your body good nutrition because it's what your body deserves um and also thinking about you know other negative self-talk around dieting and that's around the confidence in yourself and the trust you have in yourself are you creating a self-fulfilling prophecy so you know if you're thinking that oh I, I can't whenever I try and diet I always fail um and it's really hard and so if you're coming from that kind of point of view are you therefore creating a self-fulfilling prophecy so that when you go into a fat loss phase you will find it hard you will feel restricted and therefore you'll give up and so then you'll be like see I told you so I told you that I wouldn't be able to stick it out and so you create this self-fulfilling prophecy so taking those kind of mindsets away and working on those mindsets will will also help. Right, next one, having a personalized plan for yourself. So making sure that you include foods you enjoy. So for me, it's chocolate and, the, and a coconut latte. There's no way I could stick to anything if it didn't include chocolate and coconut lattes. So um, it, you know, I just got to make sure that I consider portion control, consider, you know, how much of it I can have. If I want to maintain a, a healthy lifestyle uh, and the body that I have, then I know I can't eat chocolate all day, every day as much as I want to. So I give myself permission to have it, but actually sometimes I choose not to have it because that is what is in line with my goals. So I don't feel restricted, but I choose not to have it. And sometimes, or quite a lot of the times, I then combine the two and think, right, I need to have, I don't need to, but I get to have, like to have a high protein diet because I know that's in line with my goals and I love chocolate. And so I'll have a protein bar. So I'm kind of ticking two boxes at once. Um, and so making sure you include foods you enjoy will make any nutrition plan for yourself seem far more sustainable. And if you think that going on a diet means that you can't have the foods that you enjoy, you are no way going to stick to it. And it won't take long before you then totally overindulge on, on that. You need to also think about how it fits into your lifestyle. So, you know, don't when I say personalized plan, like, you know, don't go and get a meal plan off the Internet. Not only do you not really learn anything, but it doesn't necessarily have the foods you enjoy. Like if there was a meal plan and every morning they, they had banana on porridge or something like any kind of banana thing, there's no way I'd stick to it because I wouldn't eat the banana. I wouldn't even touch the banana. The banana wouldn't even reach my house. <laughs> So there's no way I'd follow it, you know, so don't follow someone else's meal plan, but perhaps create one for yourself, you know, particularly if, you know, the usual working week 
most of us, as much as people say that they like variety, the vast majority of us have the same shit every day. Vast majority of us do. Same breakfast, pretty much the same lunch. If you are happy with that, then there is, uh, there is nothing wrong with that. I have the same breakfast pretty much every day. Or I have one of two or three choices that I rotate between, depending on how much I can be bothered to make, say, overnight oats or I can be bothered to make some porridge. But most of the time, it's yogurt, fruit and a bit of granola every day. And it doesn't bother me that I'm having the same thing every day. So, and the same with lunches, my lunches will will kind of vary, but that's because I tend to overmake um, lots of food in the evening and I'll have leftovers for dinner, sorry, for lunch the next day. So I'm kind of creating a meal plan. So, you know, we plan our meals for the week in this house and I'll make so much more that I'll have that for the lunch the next day. It doesn't bother me. It makes things really super easy, super simple for lunchtime. You know, uh, I work from home, as I know a lot of people do these days. Um, But most workplaces still have microwaves anyway. So my lunch goes into a Tupperware box. You know, I literally could be at the office. It goes into a Tupperware box. The Tupperware goes in the microphone, microphone, microwave. I heat it up. That's my lunch done. And I know I'm hitting everything that I need to do, like protein, veg. And sometimes I might do like some extra veg um, if I've made pasta or something like that. I'll cook some extra veg using the steam bags and the microwave. And it literally takes me less than 10 minutes to make my lunch. It takes me less than five minutes to to make my breakfast. And then I have a little, little bit of variety on, on the weekend. So you could create some kind of meal plan like that for yourself. Not only then does it um, help you get into a bit of a routine and get that bit of structure, but also it helps you to know that what you're eating is in line with your goals and it informs your weekly shop as well. And I think it's crazy when people go to the shop. And <laughs> I say it's crazy because I used to do this myself and I lived on my own. Like you go to the shop and you haven't got a plan of what you're buying for the week. And it's like, well, how do you know what to buy? And so you end up buying loads of stuff that you end up throwing away or you get to a point later on in the week and you're like looking through the cupboards, trying to think what the hell are you going to make? And you've got no idea. So just spending five, 10 minutes and it gets quicker every week. And we tend to have a selection of seven, eight meals and we just pick four or five of them like and especially like if we do a pasta we do two nights worth and again I'll have lunches the next day so I had pasta last night pasta for lunch today pasta for tonight and I'll have pasta tomorrow and again it does not bother me that I'm having the same thing I have my mind is way more like elsewhere than getting obsessed with, with what's on my plate and I just see my food as fuel and I know some people want to enjoy a bit more and have a bit more flexibility. That's fine. But, you know, you can create some kind of structure and some kind of meal plan. Yet add a bit of flexibility by having, say, if you're having a stir fry, one week you have, like last week we had a chicken. Normally we have a prawn stir fry and you can change the vegetables or you could have rice instead of noodles. Or, you know, you can still have the same kind of structure, yet allow yourself to have a bit of flexibility so that you can change things. And quite often, you know, when we talk about flexibility, especially when we're on a fat loss phase, 
having flexibility is great but if you have too much flexibility it makes decisions really difficult and so if you can just create some kind of basic structure for yourself and allow the flexibility by choosing different meats or different vegetables or a different starchy carb like rice or potatoes or pasta or noodles or you know you can get that variety in there and still be hitting your goals okay next one focus on whole foods so if you you know in order to get a balanced diet yes like i've just said include the foods that you enjoy you know especially those foods um that perhaps we can't eat all the time that despite the fact that we want to so whether that's chocolate or cake or coconut lattes like me um but also you know the vast majority of your diet needs to be focused on lean proteins vegetables fruits whole grains healthy fats if you can get the vast majority of your diet around those foods not only are you going to get the best nutrition in terms of like um your macros your micronutrients your vitamins your minerals but you know it's a great way of building really big meals because those type of foods will have the fewer calories compared to say your processed foods your ultra processed foods like pizza and um, burgers sausages still have places in you know you still can have those foods in your diet don't get me wrong but if the vast majority of the time you're having the veg the fruit the lean proteins the whole foods the whole grains you're you are not only serving your body very well but you're going to fill yourself up on fewer calories you'll probably find yourself you know, roughly in a calorie deficit or around maintenance anyway. And those types of foods will fill you up. Like no one is, you know, when the vast majority of your diet is made up of those kind of foods, you're less likely to overeat because no one is overeating on their broccoli. Let's be honest. You don't have a portion of broccoli and think, oh yeah, let's have some more of that. Whereas if you have a portion of chips, you're much more likely to go, oh yeah, let's have some more of that. You know, those kind of really tasty ultra processed foods, highly palatable, you know, they are designed to get you going back for more, totally designed to get you going back for more, but they are not going to serve your body as well as we know that whole foods are going to do. So, Without even tracking, you'll find you'll have some form of calorie control. Um, And then when it comes to those like ultra processed foods and things that you, you know, you do enjoy. And I put alcohol in this as well. You know, you think about the law of diminishing returns. So when you're going out for a pizza or you're getting like a pizza uh, takeaway or something like that, like if you would normally eat the whole large pizza think about the law of diminishing returns like the first slice is amazing the second slice still very good third slice yeah it's pretty good by the time usually you get into the fourth fifth sixth slices kind of you're not getting the same enjoyment as you got from the first few and you're not even really that hungry and this is where those kind of foods where you can compare like pizza to broccoli it's like 
this was broccoli, I wouldn't be continuing to munch on this. But I'm full and I'm continuing to eat this. So, you know, remembering going, right, what enjoyment am I getting from having another slice? And if you can't honestly answer that you're getting more enjoyment, then think about that. Go, okay, then I am done. And that is another way in which you can help with portion control and therefore help with calorie intake. Okay. Um, Another one, mindset shift. I kind of talked about this as well. A lot of these do kind of overlap. So mindset shift. So shift away from short-term dieting to long-term lifestyle changes. This is where, like I said earlier, you know, doing small manageable steps all the time will compound over time. Time is passing anyway. You do not need to rush this, especially, you know, if you're telling yourself you have a block around nutrition, don't try and set up a whole new nutrition plan, overhauling your whole diet as of tomorrow, because it's just not going to work. So, Shifting from, right, this is long term now. And if I really want to do this and I really want to sustain the results, I need to do this and think about this as this is now how I eat for the rest of my life. This is what I tell all my clients. This is now how you are eating for the rest of your life. Okay. Focusing on getting lots of protein in, lots of fruits, lots of veg, lots of whole grains, lots of healthy fats. And giving yourself those foods that you enjoy once in a while. And, you know, again, I'm going to talk about my panoraisin that I have on a Sunday morning. And I really look forward to it. Most of the enjoyment is in the looking forward to that panoraisin. Because to be honest, (laughs) I know I'm obsessed with Costa, but their panoraisins are not that great. So I am getting so much enjoyment from the build up, from the looking forward to to um to having that pan raisin than I am actually having the pan raisin and it's the same with like when you're going out for a meal you get the vast amount of enjoyment from looking forward to going out for the meal than you do for the meal itself same with holidays same with Christmas I mean Christmas I think is a perfect example of this there is far more enjoyment in the first 24th of December than there is on the 25th I know you're comparing 24 days to one day, but the build up to Christmas is way more exciting and enjoyable than Christmas Day is itself. So think about that in terms of your food and you can see you you do get the vast majority of your enjoyment from looking forward to it, the food. So if you're having that food that you enjoy all the time, what are you looking forward to? Not a lot because you're having it all the time. So um think about that as well okay support support is really really important and the vast majority of women have dieted numerous times in their life and the ones and research shows us that the ones who then become successful are those who get support and good support so you obviously always have me always have me to help and back you and support you But, you know, use the group as well. So use the ladies in the group because we all want everyone to succeed in their goals. Use your family and encourage your family to 
make the changes with you as well because these are lifestyle healthy changes these are not changes that i'm talking about that are only um suitable because you're on a six-week shred and therefore you know are not suitable for anybody else these are lifestyle changes and you know showing your your partners your loved ones your children what healthy eating looks like will do amazing things for for their future and you know I can show my you know talk about my husband as a perfect example I'm sure he won't mind me talking about this but you know he's been on a fat loss phase for a few months we've just done and he's done the work really um just small lifestyle changes he hasn't tracked a single calorie a single calorie he's lost 10 kilos so just making small changes and you know reducing those um ultra processed foods getting more veg in getting more whole foods in you know he is able to have lost 10 kilos without what he thinks really trying um Okay, next one, celebrate your progress. This is so important, so important. And it will really help with your mindset as well. If you want to build trust and confidence in yourself, you have got to acknowledge all the things you are doing well because our subconscious brain believes everything that it te- it you tell it. So if you start like I say, small, if you start having, say, a glass of water every day with every meal, um, something just as small as that, and you don't acknowledge that you're doing that well and you dismiss it as, oh, it's just a glass of water. It's not really going to do anything. You know, I'm not really making any changes. You're not really going to, you know, that's what your subconscious brain is going to believe that you're not doing well and therefore your subconscious encourages, not encourages you, but you you take actions based on the beliefs that your brain has on you. So if you believe that you're this, you're that, you're useless, you're not very good at this, you're not very, very good at that, your actions will respond to that talk. So it's really important that you do celebrate. Go, right, I every day this week, I've added more veg to my meal lunchtime and dinner time like breakfast is a little bit weird you might want fruit for that but unless you're having like an omelette or something but you know what I mean you've added fruit or veg to every meal um this week and so celebrate it so yeah I'm doing really well I'm fe- I'm feeding my body really good food I'm you know you'll probably feel better as well for it so it's really good to celebrate your progress and to try and celebrate and recognize non-scale victories that's also really important like I spoke last week about how we are affected by that bloody number on the scales so let's start celebrating non-scale victories so the fact that you made healthier choices the fact that you feel more energetic the fact that you are trying new foods um, and it shifts the focus from the scale to overall overall um, well-being Okay, next one, continuous learning. Keep learning about nutrition. Keep asking me questions about nutrition, looking things up yourself, you know, questioning things that you see on social media because there is, you know, there is so much information out there. 
and especially with like Google and social media, it's really hard sometimes to know what to believe and sometimes you get overwhelmed. So keep learning about it, but keep questioning it and send things to send me things and questions to me going, is this right? Is this true? What do you think about this? Shall I try this? And, you know, keep learning about your own nutrition and your own body and how it responds to different foods, different eating patterns. And, you know, this can help mystify. The more you know, can really help mystify nutrition and make it less intimidating. Like I said earlier, people overcomplicate this shit and it doesn't need to be. And I think that's because it's a mix between there is so much information, there is so con- much contradictory information out there. It's hard to believe, it's hard to know what to believe. And then you have certain podcasts, certain, you know, popular podcasts out there, not only giving wacko advice, but also, you know, giving contradictory advice, even in the same podcast. And so, you know, these apparent experts that are going on and claiming this, that and the other using some scientific research and some scientific fact and mixing it up with their own quack advice. And then I can totally understand why people are so confused and thinking it's more complicated. I understand why people think they need to worry about what their blood sugar is doing when you fucking don't unless you've got diabetes or pre-diabetic. You know, be thankful you don't have to worry about what your blood sugar is doing. And so the more you can learn, the more you can question about it, the the less intimidating and the more, more you'll realize that this is simple. It's not easy. Don't get me wrong. It's not easy. And I still don't find it easy. And there are still days where I think, oh, fuck this. I can't be bothered anymore. But for the vast majority of time, I don't say fuck it. Um, so, you know, I it is simple um, and it is less intimidating than a lot of people think, less, less complicated than a lot of people think, but it doesn't make it easy. I, I know you will never, um, I will never claim that it is easy. But also, like, the more you learn about nutrition and foods and how your body responds to those foods, the more you can make it fun. And that can also help the mindset shift as well. Make it more fun. Make it more like challenging. What, you know, I always remember my mum when she used to do Christmas dinner every year, she'd challenge herself to make it eat another form of veg. And I think even one year she had like 19 styles of veg, like five styles of potato and, you know, carrots, boiled carrots and roasted carrots and, loads of different types of veg so you know you can have fun with it as well and realize that you can have fun with it and it's okay to have fun with food and nutrition and do it in a way that you enjoy because then again it becomes way more sustainable like if I give you a meal plan and tell you every lunchtime and every dinner you've got to have chicken rice and broccoli like with no flavor with no sauce or even though I don't really like saucy food but that's um, you know, that kind of thing, that kind of traditional bodybuilder diet, it's no, no wonder people can't sustain it and keep to it because it's boring. Um, I mean, I can have the same dinner and lunch every day, but I still don't think my lunches are, are boring. 
Um, I still like to have enjoyable flavors and make my meals uh, enjoyable with foods that I enjoy. Okay, now the next one is looking outside the nutrition box. So you might have a, uh, you know, a mental block about nutrition, but have you considered that actually your mental block has nothing to do with nutrition? Because actually it could be one of these three things. It could be stress, it could be sleep, it could be perimenopause. So stress, what are your reactions to stress? And if, you know, you have a very stressful life through job, through family, through everything else that we've got to deal with uh, in our modern society. Quite often, our responses to stress is to hit the fuck it button and just have something. And often it is reaching for food and foods that we really enjoy because that is the only moment of joy you're getting in each day. So if the only... Um, moment of joy you're getting each day is to have that takeaway or those sweets or those chocolates or whatever it is that you're reaching for or wine you know if that's the only joy you're getting every day then it's potentially it's nothing to do with nutrition and actually everything to do with your lifestyle and your stress and so the first thing you need to look at then is right what can I do about this stress and how can I manage it? Now, it might not be a case of that you can easily just take the stress away. And that's not always the case. But the one of the things I always like to refer to in terms of uh, dealing with stress is the, what we call, what is the four Ds? So ditch, delegate, defer, do. So think about the kind of things you have to do in your life and uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be those things that only only those things that stress you out. Um, but go through those those jobs, your to do list, you know, even your work to do list, the kind of roles and responsibilities you have at work, the roles and responsibilities you have at home. Can you um, delegate some of them? So can you give those to other people? So. You know, are, are there meetings you have to go to that you could delegate to someone else or the minutes of meetings, for example, and you can delegate that to someone else or there's a particular thing, part of a project you're doing. Can you delegate that bit to someone else? When it comes to home, like for me, one of the recent things that I've managed to delegate is cleaning. Like the cleaning would stress me out. I don't have time. I'd struggle to find time for it. And so you know, it came to my head and it's like, right, I'm now getting a cleaner. So I've dedicated my cleaning to someone else. And actually the money I spend on my cleaner, I can easily fill that time with more work, more clients, makes me more money. So actually it becomes a, a, a money saving or it essentially doesn't cost me any money. Um, You know, is there other things that happen in the home and talking to all mums you know we do have we just have this extra ability to take on more responsibility when it comes to say the kids and making sure you know they have their bags packed their lunch packed do they have the costume for this the costume for that is is parents evening boots is their homework done 
all that kind of thing. The dentists, the doctors, immunizations. There's so many things added, little things that come with children that quite often automatically get put onto um, a, a mum's shoulders. So there are things there that can perhaps get delegated to uh, to your partner, perhaps the dentist, even something as simple as that. Can you take them to the dentist and always make sure the dentist is booked? Or can you make sure um, that they've done their homework? You you know, or that their bags packed the next day and they have their snack and they have their lunch. Is there something like that you can delegate? So you can do that kind of thing with delegation. Is there anything you can defer that ne- doesn't really necessarily need? And that can also be day to day. Like my living room now is a complete mess because the kids have come home, particularly Rhiannon, and she gets all the toys out. I'm going to defer tidying that living room up until I want to use it at the weekend because no one goes in there um, during the week, really, except a little bit. Uh, especially over half term, um, no one will be in there. So I will defer that until Thursday because the cleaner will come for a day. Um, then is there things that can just be ditched? So things that are just not important at the moment and can be ditched to a later time or ditched completely. And then the, everything else is your do list. So that everything that's, that remains is are the things that you do. And often a lot as well when it comes to like feeling stressed and overwhelmed, like if you've got a big project going on or if you run your own business, I can totally sympathize with this. Or, you know, you've got to write a a report and you have this thing and you just feel like really, really overwhelmed. Often the best thing to do to become (laughs) unoverwhelmed, I don't want to say underwhelmed, but unoverwhelmed or not overwhelmed is just to take action so take action when and when you sit down and you start doing it you might realize and I do this all the time but when you just get down to it and start doing it you might realize that actually the the problem wasn't the project itself uh, or or not the problem that it wasn't as big a task as you perhaps thought it was so you just need to take action. Okay, the next one, sleep. So sleep, um, oh, I didn't quite finish stress. So managing stress, that's so what you can do about stress, now managing stress. So stress management is about trying to find strategies that can help you reduce the effects of stress, especially on those things that stress you out that you can't necessarily take away. For example, your kids. <laughs> so, or your husband, <laughs> unless you get divorced. No, seriously. So, like, if your only strategy of dealing with stress is reaching for food, then let's try and build in other ways in which you can deal with that stress. So, you know, good things are, and I know they're like so uh, woo woo and feel really obvious, but doing a bit of yoga perhaps doing some meditating, perhaps doing some breath work, um, perhaps um, going out for a walk, you know, having lots of tools to your um, to your toolbox, adding lots of different things means that you can pick the thing that can help you in that moment. And obviously, if you're stressed at 10 o'clock at night, you're not going to necessarily be going to be able to go out for a walk, nor do I condone that. 
uh, for a woman on her own to go for a walk at 10 o'clock at night because you're feeling stressed. But you could perhaps sit there for five minutes and do some deep breathing and that will help control your nervous system or perhaps do some yoga or sometimes it's just like Taylor Swift and shake it off. And it's like, um, it's like, it's a natural instinct. If you just kind of just get yourself moving and shake things off or scream into a pillow or, or something. So having lots of different strategies can help you manage the stress and, you know, to say that you'll never dive into food when you're stressed is, is just uh, a, a false sense of expectation. So having um, having something else, having another string to your bow of a strategy that can help you feel calmer and manage this the effects of stress can, can really help. Okay, next one, sleep. So let's go to sleep. So sleep, thinking about how much sleep and the quality of that sleep is really important as well. Because if you're um, if you're not getting enough sleep, that is going to affect like your hunger hormones and things like that. And you will feel hungrier. So if you are lacking of sleep, you're going to feel hungrier. And what you're going to do is you're going to start, and it's a natural old, like, um, I was going to say vintage, not vintage, um, like caveman um, natural instinct. I can't think of the word, but you know what I mean. Um, and it would be to go for sugary food. So back in like caveman times, we would have gone for like fruits and berries and stuff like that to get that instant sugar hit for an instant bit of energy. But of course now, what do we have? We have sweets, we have chocolate, we have donuts, we have biscuits. So those are the things that we're going to go with. And of course, they're very calorie dense and they're very easy to overeat on. So making sure you have a regular sleep pattern, trying to go to the bed at the same time every night. My bedtime is half past 10 and I'm really trying to keep to that. You know, perhaps having a good bedtime routine, trying to keep away from screens late at night. All these things can help. And if you sleep better, you will feel better. You're less likely to have like the sugar cravings and, you know, dive into those kind of foods. You're less likely to feel so hungry. I mean, it's such a big difference. I notice how much hungrier I am when I am not sleeping. And I'm in those kitchen cupboards without even realizing what the fuck I am doing. So it really does have an, a, a really big effect. So, you know, if you're reaching for those foods all the time, perhaps it's just because you're tired. So changing, you know, getting a good bedtime routine can be really helpful with that. And the last one, then perimenopause. So this is something that, you know, these symptoms can like creep on and, you know, you don't necessarily know or understand that you're in perimenopause. And I'm not saying that anyone necessarily is, but there are so many symptoms one of them can be um, like sleep, so or lack of sleep or struggle to sleep um, or re reduction in quality of sleep. That was definitely one of mine. Um, you know, you could sleep all night, but wake up the next morning thinking that you hadn't slept at all. Or um, quite often I would um, wake, you know, spend good proportion. You know those nights when you wake up and you're like, 
just remember being awake a lot last night and have that night after night after night, then obviously massive effect on sleep, massive effect on your hunger, massive effect on your uh, cravings. Um, but also perimenopause brings with it anxiety. So, um, or can bring on anxiety. Obviously not everyone always um, gets the same symptoms, but you can feel um, anxious and depressed. That is going to have an effect on your nutrition. But generally the symptoms, you know, a lot of the symptoms on um, perimenopause are going to be so much harder, going to make it so much harder to, to eat uh, in a consistent, healthy diet. Because all the time you're just going to want to reach for those foods that you enjoy, you know, those quick, easy um, convenience foods that are, like I say, high palatable, high in calories. Um, and just, again, you know, it could be down to that thing that is, that is the only moment you get a little bit of joy in your life. And I think that is a really important question to ask, ask yourself, like if you are going for those foods all the time, you know, ask yourself, is that the only joy I've had today is to get for that food? And so you're having this ultra reliance on food just to bring you some joy in life. And if that's the case, then that is something that you will need to essentially solve if you want to solve the nutrition problem. And also, it's not a nice place to be in, is it? If that eating, you know, those foods are really bringing you the only joy day to day. So think of other things that you can have in your life day to day that can help you bring joy. And so it doesn't have to be like huge things like a spa day or going to the hairdressers or going shopping. But can you do little things every day that bring you joy? Listen to a podcast, listen to your favorite song. Gratitude journaling is amazing how much joy that can bring into you. Um, sharing those thoughts of your kids, like some of the things that Reese comes out with me, because I, you know, every day I ask them what's, what's their best thing um, that they've done today. Um, I also ask them if they've had any challenges because um, try to take away from toxic positivity <laughs> and to understand that, you know, challenges will happen, you know, not necessarily every day, but and we can overcome them. But, you know, I always get them to reflect on their day and what's been the best thing um, of the day. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. So my last point then is about being reactive and finding your why. And I think both of these are really quite strong. So this is where a bit of tough love might come in. So this is actually, I haven't got the book in front of me. This is something that is covered in the book that I've um, suggested for the book club. So those are listening on the podcast. Um, I decided to do a book club with all of my clients. If that's something that you are interested in, then come and uh, get, in, get in touch. And um, I would love you to come and join our book club. Um, but I love reading. I love like reading self-development books and that kind of thing has massively changed my mindset over the last few years. So I, you know, just thought it would give me a little bit of accountability of reading books. But the first book that I have suggested I have already read, but I'm going to read again. It's quite a short book. Unfortunately, it's not on Audible, but it's um, 
Maybe You Should Give Up by, I can't remember the name, bear with, I'm going to look up. Um, on. Maybe You Should Give Up by Byron Morrison. And it's really good. It's only about 100 and it's less than 150 pages. So really not long at all. And it gives you seven ways in which you shouldn't give up. I can't remember what he says. But anyway, one of them is about being reactive. So, you know, not liking where you are is, he says it's like chronic pain. And that's the kind of pain that you can put up with. And he he kind of compares it to like back pain. So if you've got daily back pain, you can kind of just put up with that day to day without actually doing anything about it. It's not that painful. And a few painkillers here and there can help you get through everyday life. And so it's not enough to make any changes. Um, And the pain of when you're, you know, when you're in that state, the pain of the potential of things what you might have to go through to make the changes you want is more than the pain of staying where you are. And so people change when the reason to change becomes bigger than the excuses not to. So when your reasons to change, so when your why is bigger than your excuses, that is when people start to change. That is when people have these changes. And like the obvious ones are like when you have like a near-death experience, when people have a near-death experience, they all of a sudden have this massive mindset shift um, because, you know, the, the pain of changing is now less than the pain that they're going through. Like when you have, and that's what he calls acute pain. Um, so what I'm going to say is at any point you can make a decision to give up tolerating and accepting that this is how life has to be and deciding instead that you are going to start consistently taking the actions you need to create the life that you want. And if the life of you want that you want involves longevity and eating better because you want to live a a healthy life and a healthy life includes eating healthily and exercising. It has a healthy life includes both of them. And if you want longevity of life, you will have to make the decision that that is what you are going to do for life. And you need to give up on the idea that life is happening to you and instead embrace the fact that you are in control of your life. And in other words, you can either stay reactive or you can get proactive. So you even you can either react to everything that's going on or you can get proactive and start making the changes that you want in the manner and the way that I've explained tonight, or you can stay where you are. But it's ultimately a choice that you make and how you change can have so many different modalities and so many different methods and ways 
But the fact is you can do it. But once you've made that choice, then that's when you can work through all the strategies that I've given today. So hopefully that's helped. And that's a bit of a pep talk at the end. But if you have any questions that come up from this, then um, then do 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 come and ask me. And there's so many other things that, you know, I could have said and haven't um, like things that even because I wrote all these down earlier when I was writing this. And, you know, there are other things like planning as well um, is really important. Um, again, that's about being proactive, not being reactive. Um, planning, you know, your nutrition for the week ahead, planning your nutrition for the weekend where everyone fucks up, planning when you're going eating out, you know, all these different things that I can help with. And, you know, as I was going through this, there were other things I should have written them down, other things that were going in my head as well. I thought, oh, I could have said this, I could have said that. You know, there is an exhaustive list of what we can do to help you. But Two things need to start first. The first thing is you ultimately need to make the choice that this is what you're going to do. And the second thing is exactly identify what the mental block is. Once you've done those two, um, well, actually, you don't need to do the second one. If, you've, if you're choosing not to do it, then you can't, um, you, you don't need to do the <laughs> identify the mental block because you've decided you're going to stay where you are. But if you choose to be proactive and want to make the changes, ident identify the block. And then from there, that's when we can then really start putting in some strategies to help you. But there are loads of different ideas there um, that uh, you can follow through as well. Okay, hope this has helped. If you have any questions, obviously let me know. Otherwise, I will catch you all soon. Take care. Bye.